Welcome Cavs fans to another episode of the Cavs Pick and Roll Podcast, a podcast for diehard Cavs fans. Corey and Alex with you again here, ready to talk some Cavs tonight. Uh, but Alex, I got to start with you. I know you're probably sipping on something over there. What's what's the drink for this episode? I'm having a s'mores. A s'mores? A s'mores yeah. what? <laughs> it's a it's a beer by uh, Southern Tier. It's a s'mores nitro. All right. It's really good. Ale with chocolate, graham crackers, and vanilla flavors added. And it's Can't like go uh, wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's ten percent, so it's extra tasty. Nice, good stuff. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm uh I'm ready to talk some calves, and you know the off season's still kind of moving along. We're starting to uh, get a little bit closer to inching towards the official start of free agency. Uh, there's some things going on where I'm starting to see, you know, uh, a lot of qualifying offers being made and you're starting to see a little bit of more NBA news pop up. Nothing really too much relating to the Cavs, but it's just kind of that exciting time of the year where, okay, the finals are done. The championship parades over with the NBA awards have been done uh, a month too late in my opinion, by the way, but now the summer's kind of opening up and, and getting ready for the, uh, the NBA off season to start. Yeah, still mostly just a lot of uh, rumors and speculation right now as far as the big names. Yeah, yeah, it'll continue to be until that first domino falls. That's how it kind of works every year. And that that big domino or one of the biggest dominoes won't even be playing next year, and that's Kevin Durant. Uh, But it's still crazy how much impact that will have on the rest of the offseason. But maybe we'll get into that stuff a little bit later. I want to talk some calves with you. And kind of the latest on the JR situation. Um, it was interesting because our our last episode was on the night of the draft, and we were we were pretty disappointed that a, a JR trade didn't go down that night. And then, kind of right after the draft, maybe even that night or starting the following day, I started seeing a lot of articles pop up as to why JR wasn't moved and why he may not be moved before the deadline, like we were kind of all hoping for or being told, you know, for for the last couple of weeks now. Um, did you hear about this? Yeah, so it's it's it has to do with our cap and how close we are to the salary cap. I think that you know I, I'm still surprised that we can't that we can't do something with it, and we're just going to let it expire, even though we're close to the cap. And I know, you know, if we were to trade them, it'd be for you know likely bringing back a bad contract and a pick or or some other young asset. But I'm just surprised there isn't some strategic maneuver that we can use with it because there's got to be some team that's also, you know, borderline cap space that wants to open up 10 mil to fit another max or, or some other free agent. Yeah. And that's kind of the last hope or last saving grace for, for a JR trade to go down, you know, uh, someone like a Boston, for example, who's losing everybody is desperate to get somebody in there and wants to clear out a little bit of extra cap space. You know, maybe there's an opportunity there, but Altman kind of spoke after the draft and, and, and this, you know, the JR situation was brought up and he said, you know, we're still doing our due diligence. We still would like to investigate, you know, all the different scenarios and, and try to make something happen. But the fact of the matter is, is at the same time, you know, making that trade is going to put them into the tax and how far into the tax are they willing to go? Um, and he didn't say this, but I'm basically, you know, assuming, well, how far do they want to go into the tax for another 20 something win season. You know what I mean? I, I, I brought it up in the last episode. They're at 134 million already. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's I with read 19 that, wins. Uh, 
Yeah, 19, 19 wins. wins. I know. Oh my gosh. I, I read that uh, Altman was fielding offers for JR on draft night. So he, like you said, he's doing his due diligence and it's not like he isn't looking for that opportunity to move him and get something back for him. Well, he, <laughs> yeah. he well, it has to be what they get back has to be worth whatever amount it would be putting them into the luxury tax. Yeah, and so we definitely example, don't want to do that. Yeah, for, for well, for example, you know, taking back Ryan Anderson just hypothetically because Miami Heat was the team rumored to to you know be a part of all this, and the rumor was swapping you know twenty sixth pick and thirteenth pick, and then maybe take back Ryan Anderson. You know, um, they got their guy that fell in kind of into their lap and is why they traded back into the first, into the first round in the first place, which was Kevin Porter at pick number 30. So they, they kind of were able to do that without having to go into the luxury tax. And again, if a scenario doesn't pop up now they can cut Jr. and kind of save a little bit of money on their own cap versus trading for somebody. Now they don't want another draft pick this year. They don't want four. Um, you know, and if a team doesn't offer a future or a young prospect that is enticing them to them enough to, to go into the tax, that's where we're at the scenario where they might just have to, to, to cut Jr. and, and get no, nothing for him, which is unfortunate. But we wouldn't necessarily go into the tax, would we? Only if we're taking back an extremely bad contract. If we're, what's Jr. making? 14, 15, 15 million, 15 million. So if we traded Jr. We'd have to take back somebody that was making fifteen million, at right? least. And you're probably going to take back somebody that 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 is making more or has multiple years attached to it. It might not just be a, you know, for, I don't know what Ryan Anderson's contract is, but say he has two years, uh, you know, thirty five million left or something crazy like that. I think the Cavs are, you know, kind of just weighing their options. And remember, you know, next summer, uh, we talked about this in the last episode too. I think in twenty twenty is when they're going to have a ton of cap room. Yeah, which is next season. Which is or next, right, yeah, ne- yeah, right next summer this next time. Next off season, yeah. Right. So if we were to trade Jr. fifteen million for somebody else that's making fifteen million plus a couple extra years that goes beyond that, it wouldn't put us over the tax because we'd have all those guys leaving next off season. So we'd be right where we were at fifteen million, just with a different player and possibly. Yeah, no, I yeah I, I hear you what you're what I mean? saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I know I, I know what you mean. And and like I said, I was kind of bummed when I started seeing all those articles pop up. Uh, like I said, J- I'm a JR fan. JR will always be loved in Cleveland. His time's winding down one way or another. You know, by by this weekend, he's 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 going to be out of here, uh, whether he's traded or released. It's just, man, did we really just go through basically a whole season with him just sitting there, not even playing, not even being a part of the team, and then not being able to flip him for any kind of asset at this point? At this point, get a couple second rounders. I don't care. Get something. Um, cause that's just crazy that he, he was able to kind of sit there that whole season, not play and collect his checks and not, not contribute to the team in any way. Yeah. It's pretty disappointing. <laughs> it's a weird ending to, uh, to his story and time in Cleveland. That's for sure. And then of course, not shocking by any means, but in the last day or so we start to see the, the rumors pop up, you know, Anthony Davis is out in LA. So of course you're going to hear all sorts of rumors of, of uh, you know potential free agents and vets basically ring chasing and being rumored to being linked to LA now, and basically they're going to link anybody that's a LeBron guy or a LeBron pal. Of so J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver are rumored to be joining 
LeBron in LA once they become free agents. Because even if JR gets traded, he's getting waived by that team or he's getting cut by the Cavs. Corver uh, is a free agent. So he, you know, I don't know how much interest there is out there for him. But uh, did you hear about these rumors or what are your thoughts on the rumors of, of JR and Corver potentially joining LeBron in LA? Yeah, it makes sense. And it wouldn't surprise me. They're both shooters and that's what they need to put around LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they'll both be free agents. They'll both probably make the vet minimum. The Lakers yep. don't have any salary left, really. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good fit. So it's a solid yeah. rumor. It, yeah. it could like, happen. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's not surprising that they would both want to. I mean, they're both LeBron guys. LeBron trusts both of them, so I can see him lobbying for him. And it's hard not to try to talk. I don't really want to sit here and talk about the Lakers and all that crap, but it's just hard. We're always going to be connected. To, the, the, Cleveland's always going to be connected to LeBron. These guys, the guys played for the Cavs. So it's just kind of interesting to see maybe a little bit of a reunion out there. Um, and uh, Corver and JR would be exactly you know, what, what they would need. Like you said, LeBron needs shooters around him. They didn't have that last year. And um, they, they'd probably be good fits, for, to be honest with you, for JR. It'd probably be a little bit of a, a rejuvenation in his career. You know, yeah, kind of like in a previous episode we were talking about where it seemed like, oh, I hope the Cavs aren't trying to or not the the I hope the Lakers aren't trying to build the Cavs 2.0 with getting yeah. Ty, Ty Lue as their coach and bringing Kyrie to the Lakers. At least God, we were afraid we, happened, we yeah. were afraid David Griffin was going to end up out there. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. And like I said, we'll hear more. Uh, you'll start hearing more about Mello, even though he's getting linked to New York. That's that's laughable to me. You'll hear Mello to LA rumors. Um, I heard your guy, Vince Carter, being linked to New York, by the way. I know that's your dude. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Man, makes I no wish, sense I whatsoever. Come to Cleveland. Oh, man. Makes, makes no sense. It would have been nice to have Carter during one of those playoff runs or something oh, like that. But. You know what I'd really like to see is if if Kawhi stays on the Raptors and they got a chance at repeating, I'd love to see Vince Carter go to the back to the Raptors for his final year. Yeah, no shit. Exactly. That makes too much sense. Uh, go to New York for what? <laughs> yeah, really? I mean, I, even if they land somebody, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'd rather see Vince Carter go back to, uh, to Toronto, mellow, whatever, go out, go out and sabotage LA with LeBron. Um, <laughs> he'll be perfect at doing that. It, it would yeah, have been all sorts so of, fun to see LeBron and Melo play together on the same team, though, like 15 years ago. <laughs> well, you did in 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 the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know if that yeah. counts, but all right. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be following the JR situation. Uh, most likely by the next time you know we have an episode out, JR will be gone, one fashion or you know one way or another. Um, but we'll be keeping our eyes on that, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens with JR and. Uh, you know, I don't think he's getting his number retired or anything like that by the organization, but I still think fans, I think fans overall still love him. <laughs> number retired. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> so the next little piece of information here, uh, summer league action is right around the corner. I am excited for that, except we learned right after the draft. Once again, no Garland in the summer league. He's not hurt, but the Cavs, quote unquote, do not want to push him. Are you bummed? Are you still going to watch? Are you upset? Are you mad that Garland will not be seen in the summer league this year? A little disappointed, but at the same time, you know, he's coming off that injury. So yeah, that's okay. 
that's fine. Summer league doesn't mean anything any anyway, other than you know getting some NBA level experience. But I wouldn't even I don't even know that I would consider it NBA level experience. Yeah. So you're yeah, and and the Cavs have been filling out their roster. They've been picking up a lot of G League guys or uh, just trying to fill out that roster. So it'll be you know a lot of Dylan Windler and Kevin Porter Jr. And then I got to thinking. You know, our guys, is Sexton going to play in that again, you think? Should he play in that again? Is is Zizic going to be there again? Sexton's only a second-year guy. I feel like I want to see him there again. I think they should. I'm, you know, I'm still going to watch, definitely, obviously. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm still look, I'm still excited about it just to see uh, Windler play. And uh, I assume Kevin Porter Jr. also is going to play. Yeah, well, yeah, depending on when that trade becomes official and the timing of when the actual summer league starts and when the Cavs actually play, because that, that's going to be right around the same time, I think. I think they have to wait till like the 6th before the trade can become official. And it's not just that trade. It's, it's a bunch of other trades as well. And didn't you say summer league starts right around then? Yeah, yeah, so it's the same day. So, oh, yeah, I guess I don't know if he'll yeah, be hopefully, eligible or, or what. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he'll be able to play. And speaking of Sexton, right before we started recording tonight, he posted a he posted a video um, on his Twitter account. I don't, I don't know where he's at. It's like some college gym or high school gym or something like that. But it's like forty five seconds, a forty five second video of him just draining three after three from the corner. He must have made ten or eleven threes in a row in that forty seconds, and. He was either a college uh, court or a high school court because he was standing at like the out of bounce line because, you know, their three point lines are a little bit shorter than the NBA. And he was standing uh, in in the right hand corner, just getting the ball passed to him. And he made, I swear, 10 or 11 in a row. I couldn't believe it. And uh, he's still he's he still has that title kind of attached to him as being a hard worker. And that's just seeing stuff like that is is encouraging you know, to see that he's out there working, uh, working on his game, working on his shot and his shot, his shot looks pretty damn good. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that kind of reminds me, I saw something earlier about, I, I want to say it was Jason Lloyd, but don't quote me on that, but it was a Mm. quote that, that said, uh, the Cavs, several key members of the Cavs front office see Sexton as a sixth man. So I, I heard about that too, except for I heard it a little bit differently. And it was just like a headline quote. And I was right. like, you know, yeah, exactly. I shook my head at it. I'm like, I'm not reading this garbage. But the quote that I saw was flipped a little bit. It was some Cavs players, not head off, not the office, some Cavs players feel like he is best suited as the sixth man. I think to myself, who the hell is going to say, what, what player within on the team is going to say, yeah, he should come off the bench <laughs> when they know that he's the guy, he's the fu- he's part of the future and part of the core going forward. You know, Jordan, is Jordan Clarkson maybe? Yeah, is Jordan Clarkson <laughs> gonna say he should be the sixth man? No, Jordan Clarkson is the freaking sixth man for one. Is Delhi gonna say that? No, that doesn't make any sense. But JC like, who, wants wh- to be the starter, so he would like he to was. see Sexton as the sixth man. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that real quick though, because even though I think it's, I even think you know you could pull out our bullshit audio clip <laughs> from a few episodes <laughs> back. Right. I think it's <laughs> bullshit. But what do you feel about that? I mean, a lot of people. I, I see the fan base kind of split on a Garland Sexton backcourt. And then the other side of it is, is lots of concern. Cause obviously it's two six foot one guys. You're de- you're going to be defensive liabilities and so on and so forth. So 
let's talk about that backcourt real quick. Do you think it's a good idea to kind of have both of them in the starting lineup or should one of them come off the bench? I don't really know because I don't know what, how B beeline systems going to work. I know they seem excited to have it to run that two point guard system, but uh, you know, for every Lillard McCollum out there, there's, a hundred attempts at this that didn't work. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think no matter what they're gonna they're gonna start the two of them together in the backcourt. There's a, a Monta Ellis Steph Curry duo that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but I think they are gonna run the both of them and just see what they have. I mean realistically they're not they're not competing for a playoff spot this year. It's another kind of see what we got kind of year um, you know, develop our young guys and stuff. And, you know, they'll make adjustments if things go horribly wrong, they'll, they'll do something. But I think at the start of the season, we're going to, you know, and going in the training camp and everything, it's going to be a two point guard. Wait, uh, backcourt. If, if they put Sexton and Garland in the same backcourt, does yep. it become Sexland? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a big Reddit guy. And somebody posted that. Uh, I did see that. <laughs> somebody posted on Twitter. I forgot who it was, but you know, somebody within Reddit recommended that the backcourt be called Sexland. I'm like, That's oh. hilarious. I love it. <laughs> Jeez. Where's my Sexland T-shirt? Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Come on, Cavs. Cavs team shot. Right. So no Garland in the summer league. Kind of a bummer. Um, but you know, we'll still get to see Winler. You know, Winler. We'll still get to see hopefully Porter Jr. You know, Zizic should be there again. I don't feel he's he's the type of player you got this out of the neck of the woods of not needing to play in the summer league anymore. And Sexton, being a second year guy, I feel like he should be there. Probably this would be his last year, you know, being in it. But I feel it would be good for his development. Um, and it's too bad we don't get to see a little bit of a glimpse of Garland and, and Sexton um, as early as uh, you know here in a couple weeks in summer league. But we'll just have to wait a couple months longer, I guess. Yeah. I'm still excited, like you. We're we're we're, we're diehard. We're going to watch it no matter what. Um, even if Sexton wasn't playing, we'd we'd you know, we'd sit there and watch Zizich, I guess. So. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm just excited to see Windler and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. hopefully play, but Windler especially because I was watching some highlights and reading about him a little bit. And man, that dude is good. Like he can shoot yeah, he, lights out. He's six foot eight. He he was averaging like ten points some rebounds a game. I mean, that, that kid's a beast. Yeah, I was reading up on him and, and watched some videos after the draft as well. Um, you know, he averaged 21 points per game. I like his size. And both he and Porter Jr. are lefties, which is another thing that I like because lefties just, I don't know, they throw people off. Um, and, and he can just rise up and, and shoot. Um, I, and everything that I've read, uh, I haven't seen it yet because all the highlights you see is just him shooting. Is everybody says he's he's much more athletic than what you would think he would be. I don't know what that means. Does that mean he can crash the boards? Does that mean he's gonna be dunking on anybody? I don't know. But um, you know, I've heard nothing but 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 positive things about him. And then again, like I said, I like his size. I like that he's a lefty and I like that he can shoot. Porter Jr., I've heard good things too. I just heard that he needs to, you know, basically mature, maybe improve his work work ethic a little bit. But obviously the Cavs saw something in him. He's a scorer, um, and they, they they went back into the first round and made the trade and gave up five million dollars and four second rounders to get him. So, um, you know, it's it's a move the Cavs felt was worth taking the risk on. 
Yeah, they had somebody. Uh, man, I, I wish I could remember who the player was. It was Ex NBA player, but anyway, they asked him who. You know, he 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 was excited to see play that was that was drafted on draft night, and actually, two of the players he said were Garland and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. He said that Kevin Porter Jr. was the steal of the draft. You know where we got him. Yeah, and that's that's exciting too. I've heard a lot about that, and I've heard a lot about that about Garland as well. And and to be fair with the Garland thing, I think it's just kind of there's that mystery around him right now because all you have is four or five college games of tape, right? And whatever he did in high school. So there's kind of that mystery behind him. And a lot of people are saying the same thing about him. Oh, he might end up being, you know, one of the top, you know, guy or two after Zion after, you know, obviously as being the best player in the draft. He's he's one of the only the four people that's predicted to have potential all-star capabilities within the draft. So there's a lot of there's a lot of like wow the Cavs might have got the steal of the draft there with Garland and then yeah I was hearing the same thing with Porter Jr. and that's gonna do nothing but get the fan base excited um, and and uh, you know hyped up and everything. Yeah, you said a, a little bit ago that you saw the Cavs were adding some players to the roster that were kind of like G leaguers. This is for summer league. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, were there were any of those? I, I couldn't tell you any like of their notable? names. I, I, no, 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 no. Yeah, I couldn't okay. tell you their names. I've seen three or four guys. Amico's all over it, like always. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Sam. Yeah, and, he's the man. Uh, some Sam o- the man. Some other, some other local beat writers have been kind of here and there, you know, announcing who, who, who the Cavs have been adding. I got to imagine with, with that being only a couple of weeks away, we'll see a summer league roster here soon, and we'll be able to see uh, if, if guys like Sexton is on there and if they put Porter Jr. on there or not, and so on and so forth. So. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, summer league basketball right around the corner. Um, usually the head coach, the, I'm sorry, the assistant head coach is usually the head coach of the summer league team. So we'll get some JB Bickerstaff kind of, kind of, uh, you know, experience, maybe, you know, maybe Gottlieb there, uh, you know, everybody else that they've kind of brought on. So, and, and Beeline, I'm sure will be there on in the sidelines, you know, watching the games and taking it all in. So it'd just be nice to have some Cavs basketball again. We're not used to, to having this like three month lull because we're used to making, you know, deep playoff runs the last several years when we were competing for a championship. And it just, it feels like it's been forever since I've, I've been able to watch, you know, any Cavs basketball. Yeah. So I was looking at, yeah. Summer league starts July 5th and runs through the 15th. And didn't I say okay. there was going to be like an earlier, like three yeah, days summer league the Cavs were going to be in. Yeah. There's usually like two different, uh, I don't want to call them tourneys, but like two different batches or tiers or whatever. It's like, you know, these eight teams play these three days and then the second group plays another day. And it's kind of like a round robin kind of thing. And I thought you said the Cavs play early, like meaning like the first day or a couple of days uh, versus waiting till halfway through it and playing. But all that information will come out here shortly. We'll be sure to share that online, obviously, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yeah, so uh, July fifth, Kevin Kevin Porter Jr. won't be official by then. So not likely. Yeah, not likely then, which is a shame too. Um, so we're all in on on Windler, I guess. <laughs> yeah, go Windler. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so some other things, and we kind of talked about a little bit when we were talking about Jr. But I kind of wanted to get your opinion on just kind of some Cavs off season predictions. You know, they're kind of cap strapped. It seems. And it seems like they're kind of restricted to if they want to make any moves, it would be through trades. 
Uh, but I kind of wanted to see what your opinion was. I mean, they made their splash in the draft. They got, you know, three rookies Is that the end of the off season, you know, that and, and releasing JR or maybe flipping them for something, or do you foresee the Cavs potentially doing anything else? I think uh, that they're not going to do too much else. I feel like <laughs> that the draft was pretty much it. And I'd be surprised if we do too much, at least until the uh, trade deadline. I think there's a couple of guys that we could let go at the trade deadline that'll be high value, like Kevin Love if he stays healthy, and 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 probably Jordan Clarkson. I could see as a guy that we let go at the trade deadline. But this off season, I I think uh, I think we made our splash, like you said. I, I can't really see us adding much more, other than kind of like what we did last off season, whereas you know we brought in some just some young guys that are looking for a team and to make their mark in the NBA and giving them a tryout. I think it's going to be that kind of season again. Yeah, I it, no, I totally agree. I, I think they're going to be very limited on what they do. Any moves they make will be end of the bench kind of kind of moves. You know, Blossom game, they let go of him. I don't know if you heard about that. He won't be returning to the Cavs. A guy like Marquise Chris, I don't know if he comes back or not. So they might have some roster spots available you know, uh, the 15th man, 16th man kind of thing. And like you said, they'll bring in someone that is probably, you know, fairly unknown to the general NBA fans and, uh, you know, just to fill out the roster kind of thing. But I, 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 I think they are, you know, a lot of people said, well, why not just trade love now? Why not just do some of the stuff in the off season? Well, the reason why you don't do that is because, and, and this is a gamble, by the way, but the reason why you don't trade Love now is because his stock isn't high right now. It's the off season. Okay. Next year, next year, the next season is going to be interesting, in my opinion. And here's why with what's going on in Golden State, with Durant about to bolt, there's rumors about Clay maybe even bolting, whatever. LA, you know, gets AD and, there, and, and there's going to be some other movement around the league. Kyrie's going to be moving. Maybe Jimmy Butler goes, so on and so forth. The, we, the, the league is going to feel pretty wide open next year, and there's going to be more teams that feel like they have a chance to where maybe they feel like, okay, we're approaching trade deadline, and we feel like we're one guy away from being able to compete for a title this year. The last couple of years, it didn't feel like that. It was the Cavs and the Warriors. <laughs> so teams weren't too aggressive. They might be more aggressive this year. And what I'm trying to get at is, and here's where the gamble comes in, if Kevin Love stays healthy, that's the gamble because you don't know if that's going to happen. Is a 20 and 10 guy, it looks like he could maybe make the all-star team and so on and so forth. His stock is going to rise. And a team might feel like, hey, we're a guy away. Let's go get that third star or let's go get that second star to pair with our guy now. And that's where Kevin Love, you know, that's where the Cavs can potentially get back the most for Kevin Love. Trading him now before the, you know, all the moving pieces haven't even moved yet. <laughs> Those dominoes haven't fallen free agency. So the Houston Rockets aren't going to trade for, for Kevin Love right now, for example, because they don't know what's going to go on with the rest of the league. But come right. February, they might. You know, or another team might that feels like they're right there. And same thing with these other guys. These other guys, Tristan, same thing. Let his value go up. Give him tons of minutes. Jordan Clarkson, he's going to be coveted. I do think he'll be moved. Um, he's a young player that can score. His contract's going to be up. He's going to demand a pretty decent contract. Some playoff team will want him, and, and the Cavs will move him for an asset. Yeah, I agree completely. To your point, 
Houston Rockets. You know, I know they're looking for a third guy. It's rumored that they're going to try to get Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets. For what? Um, yeah. What are they going to they gonna trade? Clint Capella and Eric Capella. Gordon? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I I know they tried, and I know it's hard to do. It's probably it's probably even harder to move Chris Paul than it is for the Cavs to move Kevin Love. I'd take Chris those Paul, two guys for Love at the trade deadline. <laughs> you take Paul and Capella? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, not Paul and Capella. Capella and uh, Gordon. Gordon, yeah. Gordon was solid. He kind of fell off this year, and I think it was just because I don't think he actually fell off. I think I don't know if he had injuries or what, but um, I, just his touches were down or, or, or something. I don't know. He his numbers seem to be down this year, but I like I, I've always liked Eric Gordon. He's a good shooter, obviously, a shooting guard, which is exactly what we need. You know, yeah, I, he, he would I, be a good I, veteran be, to have with these young guys yeah. and a shooting yeah, guard, he, like you said, that we need. So. Yeah, and he's not he's not a top tier star player by any means. He's not even a second tier. He's in the third and fourth tier. So he's kind of a guy that you feel like if you were able to get him on your team, you might have a shot of actually keeping him. You know, he can keep him happy. You know, he could play thirty five minutes a game, and so on and so forth. That's going into twenty the summer of twenty twenty that season. That's what I hope. I hope we're going through these nineteen win seasons and whatever we're going to do this year, and and just the horrible basketball. So that when we get that cap room, yeah, you're going to have to overpay for somebody, or maybe you trade for somebody that you still have control control over for a couple of years because their contract, maybe they have two, three years left on their contract. And I'd like to see them add a nice veteran guy, like an Eric Gordon. I mentioned it before, it's not realistic, but like a Ricky Rubio, like a Steven Adams. You know, I can go down the list. That's what I want them to do. I want them to have sex and Garland. These, these, they're kind of their young core but then you need to be able to add another nice veteran or two to round it out if you truly want to compete for a playoff again. Yep, exactly. That's kind of one of the reasons I like having Love on the team right now. But I think uh, I think I mean, we're I probably going to move him at the year. trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I don't know. I just got a hunch. I I, I think his time's going to be up this year. And again, that's only if he stays healthy. Um, the worst thing that can happen is he gets hurt late July or I'm not, not late July, late January or mid January or something like that. In missing our two months of the season, that would be horrible and devastating. It would help our draft situation, which some people would be happy about. But yeah, um, at some point more, you want to be able to cash in on love, you know? Yeah, he'll have way more value as a on a contender, helping some team get over the hump than than just being a veteran for us and our young guys. So yeah, yeah Channing Fry, Channing Fry on Twitter kind of said something like, "Man, you know, I was talking to some buddies, and Kevin Love would be a perfect fit in Portland." And uh, I, I retweeted that and commented. Wow. I said, actually, he would be. He would be a perfect be. fit in Portland. Perfect. He'd be great in Portland, actually. Now, there's nothing in Port- There's nothing that Portland really has that they're not going to give us CJ McCollum. They're not going to give you Damian Lillard. and not going to give you your center. Um, you're going to get Rodney Hood back and a freaking future first rounder. So, <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> You know, I, I will say this though: when the Cavs do inevitably move on from Love, whether it be by a trade or hey, maybe they'll surprise us and maybe, maybe he finishes his contract here and and they let him go after that and he signs as a free agent somewhere. Whenever Kevin Love is no longer a Cleveland Cavalier, the one thing I do want for him is to be on a contending team. I don't want to see him go to Orlando. I don't want to see him go to some you know some shithole team. Um, he's a good player. He, he, he was, um, overlooked. He, he, he didn't get the respect or love from fans in general over the last four or five years he's been in Cleveland. 
Um, and a lot of it is because of his injury history and stuff like that. I get that, but he is a good player and he can contribute. And I'd like to see him in a good situation. And Portland would be a great fit for him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Edit that out. All right. Moving on. Uh, I just want to kind of bring up some other kind of off season stuff that's going on. Non, non Cavs related now, because obviously the headlines are being dominated by, you know, some of the other big stars in the NBA. Uh, I don't know how much you've been paying attention, but you did mention something to me the other day, and I, I want an explanation. <laughs> you you said you'd like to see Kyrie and KD pair up in uh, in Brooklyn. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I'd like to see them pair up. I don't know about pairing up in Brooklyn. I think uh, they're two very dynamic players, two of the best players at their position in the league. So it would be exciting to see uh, Kyrie and KD pair up and go to go to war on some team, but. Uh, uh, I think I'd rather see them pair up in, in a place like New York or, or something like that rather than the Nets where the Nets have a young core that they're building that I think is already really exciting to watch with, you know, D'Lo coming into his own and, and they got Dinwiddie and, and Jared Allen and yeah, they got a good young group there in, in Brooklyn, but yeah, definitely. I'd like to see Kyrie and Katie uh, pair up. I think it would be pretty exciting for some franchise that has been struggling. New York, what do you think? Yeah, part of me, part of me is like, man, wow, wouldn't that be something if they both picked Brooklyn over New York and New York is just left with nothing this season. But at the same time, I, I kind of agree, you know, New Jersey is, you know, by no means are they uh, a championship contending team, but they're kind of that middle of the road. They're developing themselves into kind of that middle road a playoff team. They'll make the playoffs again next season if they kept their team as is, and uh, they would get eliminated again, most likely in the first round. They need to add that second star. If they brought in Kyrie and KD, you know, you're you're kind of gutting that team, and uh, and and for the first year, you wouldn't even have KD. He's most likely going to miss the season or most of it. So you just have Kyrie and whatever else they put around him. And to be honest with you, it probably would be kind of rocky it'd be Kyrie trying to score 30 something points a night and uh with some role players around him you know what I mean um so going to New York might make more sense because they kind of have nothing there now anyways uh, the team's kind of already they pulled it down to the studs and uh they can kind of build a team and they're not kind of ruining a core uh of what they're building but part of me is like man it'd be kind of comical if New York didn't get them or anybody I'm not a James Dolan fan, and uh, you know I don't know. I think it'd just be kind of interesting if uh, if if they came out of this off season with nothing. And I felt <laughs> like I felt like New York, at least for now, and all the rumors and all this can change. Obviously, I mean New York, the Knicks are still within the rumors, right? You know they're still supposedly on Katie's list and of potential teams and all that. It just feels like they're fading. But I felt like the two biggest losers, at least thus far, in the off season are the Knicks because it sounds like everybody else is, is going elsewhere besides there. And then also Boston, Boston losing Kyrie, um, Al Horford, that whole situation fell apart and he's moving on, you know, and they're left. They didn't do the Anthony Davis trade obviously because they couldn't, he got traded to, uh, to LA. Uh, their most expensive person on their roster now is Gordon Hayward who is still kind of coming off that injury. And now they're kind of left scrambling. It feels like Terry Rozier is most likely out the door because he didn't like 
how he was kind of being treated and, and, and all that stuff and how the Kyrie situation was handled. And it just feels like to me right now, the Knicks and Boston Celtics are going to be the two biggest losers this off season. Um, they'll sign somebody, but it's going to be like that, that, that like third or fourth guy that was on their list. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, <laughs> that's funny that you say that. This reminds me of, did you see the thing about ESPN trolling the Knicks during draft night? No, I didn't. Yeah, they had a, you know, they got a ticker at the bottom of the screen where the team that's up picking the next pick, it has what their needs are. And it said, <laughs> New York Knicks needs everything. You know what? <laughs> I, every I, position. I did, I, actually, I did see that at one point. I do remember seeing that now. That, that's pretty good. And uh, it's true. I mean, they do need everything. And if they come out of this offseason uh, landing nobody, gosh, what a, what a blow and what a, what a, what a setback for that franchise and that fan base is going to go ludicrous if that happens. And, you know, I tried offering Boston a, uh, a line of hope, if you will. I, I, I tweeted out when Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out, you know, you know, Kyrie's not taking his player option or whatever it was. He's going to be a re- unrestricted free agent. I said, uh, well, there's one last hope for, for, for Boston and that's pulling a Celtic pride. Have you ever seen the movie Celtic pride? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you got Damon Wayans, Daniel Stern, the guy from Home Alone, and Dan Aykroyd. And and if you haven't seen it before, it's a movie that came out. You know, I don't know. It must have been I don't know, late '90s, early 2000s, something like that. And uh, it's a movie about two diehard Boston Celtics fans. This could be you and me, Alex, for the Cavs. Uh, two di- <laughs> two diehard fans. And Damon Wayans' character plays on the Utah Jazz, and he's 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 you know a star player and he's he's one of the league's best players or whatever and you know these fans see him as a threat to their team so they kidnap him to prevent him from being able to play you know uh against their team and everything like that and it's a comedy and it's a really good it's actually a really funny movie they get get in all sorts of you know crazy situations and i don't want to i don't want to spoil the end of it if you've never seen it but what's funny is and what's coincidental about all this is I actually found the movie somewhere for a dollar Get and I here. bought it and I bought it. It was, you know, I, it was at a goodwill shop. I like on what, VHS? <laughs> no, no, this is on DVD. And I actually forgot about this movie. I'm a, I haven't seen it in at least 10 plus years now. And I saw it sitting there for a dollar and I'm like, Oh hell yeah, I have to buy this. So anyways, um, when Adrian Rojanowski broke the news on Kyrie, you know, he's not taking his player option. I posted online. I said, hey, Boston, here's your last hope. And I took the cover of Celtic Pride, the movie, which is, uh, you know, the two fans in the background with, with Damon Wayans basically tied up <laughs> with duct tape, like they're holding him hostage. And I, uh, I photoshopped Kyrie's face over that. And I said, hey, just pull Celtic Pride. Go ahead and kidnap him and hold him hostage until <laughs> you, you, you can convince him to stay. Yeah, I anyways, saw that. that was just kind of fun, hilarious. kind of poking some fun, poking some fun. That was a good Photoshop too. Yeah, it looked yeah, <laughs> it looked good. It was funny. Yeah, that was good, and and it's just a great, it's just a great movie. And uh, I was so happy when I found that <laughs> for about. <laughs> I just watched that not too long ago, maybe a, a year, year and a half ago. It was it it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime or something. But yeah, it's yeah, definitely it's not worth my, watching. It's a good flick. Oh yeah, hell yeah, it, yeah. If if you're into basketball movies and stuff like that it's a good one it's a good comedy it's not one that's on tv very much so yeah if it's if it's not on a streaming service if you see the dvd out somewhere for cheap be sure to pick it up 
But that's kind of how I felt about the offseason. I feel like the Knicks and Boston are probably going to turn out to be the biggest losers. Uh, Houston has the potential to to get into that conversation too if they start gutting their team, which it sounds like they want to do to try to pursue a Jimmy Butler trade. Okay, well, what if you move move some of your pieces and Jimmy Butler says, uh, you know what, I'm going to stay where I'm at or or do something else, and, and now you're just left there with Harden and, and Chris Paul or whatever because they can't move Paul's contract. Uh, so I feel like those are the three teams that that potentially are going to be the big losers this offseason. What do you what do you kind of feel? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Biggest losers. <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> yeah, but, no, uh, totally. But yeah, I mean, I could I could see Kyrie and KD going to New York. And if that happens, I hope they get Melo back there, too. I think that'd be funny. Well, that's the only way it makes sense. Like I saw the rumors today, actually, about, you know, Melo being linked to New York. And I'm like, get the freak out of here. The only yeah, way that's, that's happening. The only I don't way it's see happening, that happening. It's only happening if something like that were to happen, where Kyrie and Katie go there and they're instantly a contender again. You're not bringing on, Vin, you're not bringing on Vince Carter and, and Carmelo Anthony to play with uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and Kevin Knox, okay? That's not why those veterans sign there. Both of those veterans will sign with a, with a playoff contending team. Um, they're not going to go to New think, York. Uh, I don't think New York would have Melo back. It felt like he uh, yeah. left under uh, not so good circumstances. Well, LeBron did the first time. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this was uh, didn't Melo kind of stick it to him with his his contract deal? And I mean, didn't LeBron kind of stick it to Cleveland when he didn't when we found out about it on on freaking live TV? <laughs> That's different. LeBron I, came back and won us some championships. Melo's not going to win. Well, them. What if Melo did that? Mello's, what if Mello, uh, what, 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 if what Mello did Mello do? Down? Even what did he even Hold do on. last season? <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> he sat out. Doesn't for, even play for, anymore. No, the team didn't even pick him up. But what if Kyrie and Katie go to New York and Mello went there and they won a championship? I bet that's you New York I, fans would love I mean. it. Well, they wouldn't. I don't think they would even have Mello back. Who, who's yeah. even gonna Who's even gonna pick him up? Nobody picked him up last season. Why would they pick him up this season? Lakers. He's even fatter and lazier than he was last season. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know, I know. I don't know, but we'll keep an eye on the NBA offseason. Obviously, what affects the Cavs, but we're going to keep our, we're NBA fans too, so we're obviously going to keep our eyes on some of these big names and what situations might happen. Just kind of interesting. I, I like I said, I think next year is going to be kind of a wide open year to where a lot of teams feel like they have a chance, and I think because of that, we're going to see a lot more teams being more aggressive, um, and and maybe that means good things for Cleveland because they could be one of those teams that can maybe get involved in some of those trades and uh, maybe as a third team or, or even as the second team and uh, continue to build their assets and and build for the future. Yeah, I mean New York, they got a they had Kristaps Porzingis and they things didn't work out with him either and they let him go. I mean that franchise is just has been a mess and boy, I don't, I don't know what to say. I almost feel like if Kyrie and KD go to Brooklyn over New York, it's it's because of how that organization has been ran for the last 15 plus years now. Exactly. Yep. I think everybody knows the owner isn't very good and and they're kind of a dysfunctional or, you know, it's kind of like what the Browns were considered, you know, forever before now. Uh, you know, it's kind of how New York is viewed. They're just kind of that dysfunctional team. Griff said, ah, you know what? No, thanks. Didn't even bother interviewing with them when they were interested in him. Haven't had a big free agent signing. And I don't know how long haven't made the playoffs since like Mello's first year there or whatever it was like, they're not relevant 
and yet they're the biggest city in, you know, one of the biggest cities in America and supposedly one of the one of the biggest markets for basketball in in America. And for that, the fan base does deserve uh, a relevant team again. But unfortunately, it's not the fans running that organization. It's the owner and everybody below him. And there's I just think there's a bad reputation and bad karma around all of that. And that's where I think, well, wow, if Kyrie and Katie go to Brooklyn, does that set back New York? you know, another five plus years at least if they don't get somebody out of this besides RJ Barrett in the draft, you know? Yeah, for sure. So let's move on. Uh, So last episode, we were all about the draft and we didn't do a throwback player. So I do, I want to bring that back obviously on this episode. And it was, it was my turn to pick somebody. All right, Corey, who you got? All right. I've had this one kind of in the back pocket for a while now. And, uh, I, I, I was, a f- he was one of my favorites, uh, during his time here, Mr. Bobby Phils Bobby played with Phils. the Cleveland Cavaliers for six seasons. I'll give you a little bit of background on him. He was drafted 45th overall in the 1991 draft by the Milwaukee Bucks. He never played a game though for the Bucks and was cut the 45th pick. I mean, that's like, you know, that's towards the end of the draft, obviously. Okay. So he was, he was taken at the very end of the draft, essentially. He never played a game for the Bucks and was cut. The Cavs signed him to a 10 day contract in March of 91. And then they picked him up for the rest of the season. Now, think about this. I want you to think back to 1991, 92 kind of season. Of course, I was too young to watch or be paying attention to that squad at that time. And this is Mark Price era. Craig Elo's here. Uh, Terrell Brandon starting to get into the picture. You know what I mean? So uh, Bobby Phils was not really a rotational guy, but he, they, they, he impressed the Cavs enough to be picked up for the rest of the season. He ended up playing six total season with the Cavs from 91 to 97. He averaged 10.5 points, three assists, and one steal per game. But for the first two, two and a half years with the team, his minutes were limited because again, the Cavs were very good. This is when they're battling the bulls and, you know, kind of right there, just couldn't get over the hump. He was a guy coming off the bench, uh, contributing here and there kind of thing. And I think that affected his num his averages over those six years at only 10 points, but he was kind of a, uh, kind of what the Cavs need now. He was a defensive player that could shoot the three. He shot 39% from threes for the Cavs over his six year span. Uh, a couple years, he was within the that was within the top twenty, twenty uh, percent, uh, you know, twenty guys in the league or whatever. And he also uh, made the All Defensive Team, second team in ninety five, ninety six. And there was two seasons in which he was also within the top twenty in steals. Be nice to have a nice defensive player that can also shoot on the Cavs right now, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a good player. I mean, I think what maybe four of those season he, seasons he was the starting shooting guard yes so he, he he was see if you look up his stats you know he 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 averaged 14 14 points per game 12 points per game and some of the and the three remaining seasons he was putting up good numbers and he was capable of having big games i was looking at some of his game logs uh you know just kind of researching him a little bit again and and looking some of this stuff up and he was capable of going off. Now, it wasn't consistently, and that was part of the problem, but I'm looking here at the 95-96 season. He scored 32 points against Philadelphia. 
He had 43 points against Portland. I'm pretty sure that highlight video is out on YouTube because I've watched it before. 20 points against Orlando. 25 points the following game against Washington. You know, another 20-point game against Seattle. So he was capable of having big games for you. He also had other games where he had six points, seven points, eight points, and that obviously affected his averages too. But, you know, right around 94, 95, again, I've said it before in the past, that's really when I was able to start paying attention to the Cavs. I was old enough, had some input as far as what was on the TV, and that's right around, you know, the time when Bobby Phils was moved into the starting lineup and actually contributing to the team. And I just remember him playing with passion, a defensive guy, and, and again, can shoot and was capable of, of, of going off. And the crazy thing too, you know, again, I was looking into him a little bit more just to kind of see, well, what was his like salary? Like, I'm just curious what kind of money he was making. Here's a dude dropping 40 point games, 30 point games and stuff like that. He never made more than 2 million a year for the Cavs. <laughs> It'd be pretty damn nice right now to have someone making 1.8 million that was capable of having a, a 25 point game a 30-point game, a 43-point game, and was also, you know, on the all-defensive team. And I get it back in the 90s, you know, salaries were different, but that's just something to think about. Like, my gosh, like, talk about a value guy right there. Um, You know, making making less than $2 million a year. (laughs) That was over 20 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's a long time ago, uh, to be fair. But again, you know, JR made 15 this year, and he played, he didn't play for, you know, three-fourths of the season. (laughs) Just think about that. A special situation. <laughs> he is. He is. But do you have anything on on Bobby or any memories? I don't. I don't know how much you you remember him or watched him. Um, I I remember him playing. I I remember that uh, he was really like you said defensive. He was a lockdown defensive player. He was. Um, I I even I even read some quote that uh, it was Michael Jordan saying that Bobby Phils was one of the toughest defenders he yes. ever played against. It wasn't Gerald Wilkins, the the Jordan stopper quote. Jordan unquote. stopper. It was, it was Bobby Phils. I read that quote too, or have seen that before in the past. And a matter of fact, there's I, I think that I think the one of the highlight games. There, I mean, you can find highlights on all these guys. Just type in Bobby Phils highlights on YouTube, and you'll you'll get some stuff to come up. And a matter of fact, I remember one of the games being against the Bulls, and he lit them up, and he was guarding Jordan on the other end on the defensive end as well. And obviously, they don't show you you know, too many, uh, defensive highlights, but he, he, he was, he was tasked with guarding, you know, some, some pretty good players, you know what I mean? Over the years. And, and yeah, I've seen that quote from Jordan too. And, uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I, I remember he played six seasons with the Cavs and then he right. went to the Hornets, but I don't remember how he, how he got from the Cavs to the Hornets. Did you? So, yeah. So here, here's what's kind of weird. So he played with the Cavs from 91 to 90. He ended up signing with Charlotte as a free agent. Why? Okay. Did we? So make I don't know why the Cavs. I don't. I don't know if we made him an offer. I don't know what the situation was. He didn't make too much more money in Charlotte. He only made. Uh, I think. I think the highest year he his highest salary was like five or six million. That was it. And he only played nine seasons in the NBA, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But he only made twenty five million for his entire career over those nine years. Okay. I don't know what, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think to 1996. Uh, we traded Terrell Brandon. We bring in Sean Kemp. We have Z, we have the young guys like Andre. 
Derek Anderson and Brevin Knight and all those guys. And we're kind of figuring things out and we're not really that good, but that's because we're drafting guys like Chris fucking Mim and, you know, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> so we, we, we let Bobby walk, but I don't know the whole situation. And, and yeah, he's signed with Charlotte, which is unfortunate because he was still young. And, and I think, I think his last year he averaged 12 points per game with the Cavs. So he was obviously still contributing. I think the Cavs just felt like they, they wanted to go a different way. Um, you know, Derek Anderson might've been a part of that. I believe that's the year he was, he was drafted. I could be wrong on that. Uh, Bobby Sir, I don't know if he was still around or not. He might've been in Houston by then. Um, uh, they just decided to go a different direction, I guess. Yeah. It's just surprising. It's just surprising. We let him walk. Cause he, like you said, 12.6 points. I'm looking at his stats here. 3.4 assists, 3.6 rebounds. Yep. I mean, he was still solid. He was, he was our, our, still our starting shooting guard when he right. left. And he was still cheap. And like yeah. I said, he went to, he went to Charlotte and signed for a, a few mil more than what Cleveland was paying him. So I don't understand. I don't understand what happened there. Um, and it's a shame. And unfortunately, you know, Bobby Phil's story kind of ends in tragedy, uh, which is why he only played nine years in the NBA. Uh, as a member of the Charlotte Hornets on January 12th, 2000, uh, he was driving with teammate, uh, not driving with, but uh, him and teammate at the time, former Cavalier, by the way, David Wesley, were driving, uh, driving away, leaving after practice one day. And uh, rumors are they were driving a little recklessly, even though Wesley denies that. And Phil's ended up crashing into oncoming traffic hit a minivan and um, was later pronounced dead at the scene of the crash uh, the other victims were okay and uh, you know you sent me um, an article that kind of described you know this what happened and all the different perspectives you know back at that time in 2000 Paul Silas was the coach Baron Davis was a rookie Brad Miller was there. David Wesley is there. Um, and you kind of, that, that article was, was good in the sense that you kind of get all of their perspectives um, as far as how they reacted to the news and, and kind of how it affected them moving forward and how they kind of continue to remember uh, Bobby Phils during the rest of their playing career. It's a long read, but it's pretty intense and we might have to post that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, we should tweet that out. Yeah, well, I'll I'll include a link uh, when we we announce this episode is live and everything on social media like we always do. It's if you were if you were a Cavs fan back if you remember Bobby Phils and was old enough to remember all that, uh, you know exactly what we're talking about. It's a tragic tragic situation, and um, you know that might be worth uh, reading. Now here's some other things: uh, the Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets, did retire his jersey after his death. There was kind of this weird moment in time where Charlotte was the Charlotte Hornets were no longer the Charlotte Hornets. They were the, the Charlotte Bobcats for a little while. So his number was retired. And then the Bobcats came around. So his number wasn't retired anymore because he was he wasn't a member of the Bobcats. And then right. they became the Charlotte Hornets again and they re-retired his jersey again. Well, and yeah. Act- it was it was weird because the Charlotte Hornets actually moved to to become the New Orleans pelicans correct and they, they correct. took all that charlotte hornet history with them to new orleans i don't know if they ever hung his jersey up in new orleans or not 
they didn't, but they, they did, did hang it up in Charlotte when the Hornets came back. Yeah. Uh, you're you know, you're the, right, though. Yeah, Sorry, I forgot. Not that the Hornets, against, the Bobcats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So his number's retired right now in Charlotte. Number and thir- they actually, 13, number 13, and they actually retired it on a night that they were playing against his former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is kind of um, interesting, I guess I'll say. That, that's the night that they decided to do it. And maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. I don't know how far apart the death was from when they played the Cavs. Was it, you know, a couple games later? Was it three weeks later? Was it three months later? I don't know. But it was it was a big deal. I, I remember the story breaking, you know, back on ESPN and they postponed, uh, you know, the Hornets games and, and all that stuff. And uh, it was a big deal. You know, it's not I mean, think about it now, even you don't hear about many current NBA players dying, you know, uh, which is good. So, you know, it's it's rare when it happens. And uh, it, it was a big deal back then. Yeah. Yeah. Tragic. Tragic ending to a, a, a really great player. And yeah, it kind of felt like it came full circle when they retired his jersey and it was against the Cavs. Yeah, I, I kind of want to, I wish I can, again, damn you NBA, give me, unlock the vault and uh, let me go back and watch any game I want in history. That would be one, that would be an interesting one to watch because uh, the ceremony uh, the players' reactions, you know, the Cavs' reactions. I mean, just they had to be kind of a, you know, obviously an emotional game, and it just it would be interesting to kind of see that. But again, that article you sent was great. We'll make sure to send that out. And the other thing that kind of bothers me about this, when when um, I kind of reread all this and and found out, you know, the history of retiring his jersey, then it went down, then it went back up again, and all that. He played for Charlotte for three seasons. Okay. And he he died January twelfth, right? So that's like not even like what a month and a half, two months into that season. So he didn't even play three seasons. He played like two seasons and some change. And they retired his jersey. Yeah, I, I wish I wish the Cavs would have retired his jersey. Classy. He played six years here. He was here when the Cavs were good, and uh, he contributed. And I hate to use this as an example, but I got to. And I know you picked him as one of your throwback players. But if you're going to retire Nate Thurman's jersey, who was here for very little time, right? You know, why not retire Bobby Phil's jersey? I don't know. I feel like if Charlotte's going to do that, and I get it, he was playing there at the time of the death, but he was a Cavalier, his, his, basically his entire career. Um, it would have been nice if the Cavs would have, would have done that as well. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Would have been a, would have been a good thing to do. Yeah, I think so too. But, I was just looking around on YouTube to see if I could find maybe a, a clip of Bobby Phil's jersey retirement ceremony, but um, I'm not seeing anything. I, I see a few videos that are Bobby Phil's death remembering and tributes and and that yeah. kind of thing, but I don't see an actual clip of the ceremony. Yeah, it's tough because too, you know, I don't know how much uh, I, I don't know how much of that would have actually been aired on TV. They either would have done that before the game, which you know, before the game, they're airing pregame, you know, a show, whatever, um, halftime, you know, I, I, you know, end of the game. I, I don't know when they, you know, but they probably did it either before the game or halftime would be my guess. And, um, you know, it's just, it was a different time back then. Maybe today they would air that on TV. But back then that might not have been aired for anybody to, 
to to hit all you know hit record on the old VCR tape <laughs> for for it to end up on YouTube. There's footage of it somewhere because oh, yeah, the camera guys be. the camera guys are uh, they're still working during halftime and all that stuff. And a jersey retirement's a extremely rare thing. It's not something that happens every season, even. No, no, it's not. You know, and his wife. You know, I, I know his wife, and again, this is all in the article. She made a speech and just. You know, he was married. He had two kids, and uh, you know, he he wasn't he wasn't you know an all star caliber player by any means. But he he was one of those guys, kind of one of those middle of the road guys that probably would have had a fifteen plus year career um, because he was able to do two things very well, which is defend and 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 knew how to contribute to a team. Um, so it's just unfortunate that his his career and his life was was cut short, and uh, and 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 unfortunately, how that's how his story ended. I saw both of his children. He had a, a son and a daughter. They both play college hoops. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So Bobby Phils is this episode's Cavs throwback player. Uh, R.I.P. to Mr. Phils. Going down as a Cavs legend. Never forget you. And uh, wish we could have saw you longer in Cleveland. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Cavs Pick and Roll Podcast. I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to give us a follow. Love to interact with you guys on Twitter, Facebook. You can also email us at CavsPickandRoll at gmail.com. Alex, you got anything else? Uh, if you happen to find that clip of uh, Bobby Phil's jersey retirement, yeah, tweet it to us at CavsPickandRoll or email it, post it on our Facebook page, Cavs Pick and Roll Podcast. Uh, We'd love to see it. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Cavs fans. We'll catch you in the next episode. All right, Cavs fans. Peace out.